even in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. Today we hear another very, very familiar story. It's at this time we have the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Again, we see the power and the greatness of God, a God who delivers his children, and even in, including you and me, delivers you and me from the power of sin and death and the devil. For our friends worshiping online, a reminder to go, out, go to our website, chapelofthecross.org, and under the resources tab there, you will find the bulletin for the service so you can follow along. Also, there are options for giving your offering to the Lord under the Give tab on the home page. Uh, just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship. I do want to uh, thank you for your prayers and for your support as a number of us were in Houston, Texas this past week for the National Youth Gathering. Uh, five youth from Chapel of the Cross and two chaperones attended, and we connected with the seminary youth and their chaperones, so our whole group was 23. Uh, it was truly a, a faith-building and faith-encouraging experience for all of us. I mean, certainly for the kids, also even for the adults. It, uh, just, it's not often when you get to have worship and Bible study together with thousands of other youth from our, from our church body. So thank you for your prayers and for your continued support of our youth here at Chapel of the Cross. There is a picture board in the Commons area, so you get a little glimpse of, of some of the highlights of the week. So I encourage you to take a look at that. This upcoming Wednesday is our evening prayer service. Evening prayer, for those of you who've never been to that, it's a brief, you know, 20 to 25 minutes or so, mostly sung time of worship and prayer that takes place in our prayer chapel. That service starts at 6.30 in the evening, so please join us this, e this Wednesday evening, 6.30 p.m. for evening prayer. Uh, you will notice that Ryan's going to be playing the piano only today, and the reason for that is, is uh, because our organ is currently under repair. There's a part of it that was taken out and makes the, the instrument inoperable right now, so certainly for this weekend, maybe for next weekend too, we won't have the organ, but, uh, uh, but uh, Ryan will lead us ably on the piano today throughout the service. And a welcome to our brothers and sisters from Emmanuel Chapel who are here today. Uh, last week, Emmanuel Chapel celebrated the ministry that God had blessed that place with and those people with over the years, over the many years there. And uh, we welcome you here to Chapel of the Cross today as you continue to see how God works in and through you and how God continues to work in and through the church. So welcome to Chapel of the Cross today. Our elder for this weekend is Jonathan Bellman. John, can you stand? John is standing in the back there. He's going to greet you at the back door as you leave today. Get to know John as one of your elders here at chapel. God's blessings to you as we worship this day. We begin by, by listening to our anthem as that sets the theme for our, for our service today. Oh, 
Do not take your spirit away. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your spirit. Amen. God is merciful and gracious, granting forgiveness through Jesus Christ to all who confess our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. In your great and abundant mercy, O Lord, you have redeemed the world through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by that same mercy, you have redeemed each of us by his blood. Grant that we daily grow in faith and thanksgiving for your kindness toward us, and that we devote ourselves to the work of making known that saving grace to the world. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading is from the sixth chapter of Daniel. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king re returned to his palace and spent the night, <clears throat> and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, <clears throat> been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, 
no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God, in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 77, a portion of that, and we speak that responsively. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise ailed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The epistle is from the first chapter of Colossians. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to God. We stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May be seated as we sing our hymn together.
mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here again, just a little portion of that Old Testament reading from Daniel chapter 6. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. In the name of Jesus, Christian friends, great. A number of people have, have asked how that national youth gathering in Houston was this past week, and that's been my go-to word, great. And I think if you would ask our five youth from Chapel of the Cross that went with me how it was for them, I think they would probably respond kind of in a similar way. It's great. A gathering with 20,000 other LCMS youth from around the world for worship and to sing God's praise, that's just great. Every day for five days to dig into the Word of God and see how Jesus is in all things. Great to hear numerous speakers who challenged and inspired and uplifted. Great. To dedicate a week to faith growing and faith building and faith encouraging for our youth, that's great. To eat Chick-fil-A almost every day for a week, that was great. Uh, listen to what one of our youth wrote. He said this, I was at the National Youth Gathering in Texas these last few days. It was one of the best experiences I have ever had in my life. All week I learned about how God is in all things. He works through so many different things and people in our life, and we sometimes don't even notice it. I learned how our life is filled with so many middle words like death and fear. But Jesus is the final word. It was so great to be able to be part of something so incredible. It was truly amazing. And I can't wait till I can go to the next youth gathering in 2025. It's great. You know, that's not just a word that can be described describing youth gatherings. A lot of things are great. A nation, I guess, can be great. A ruler can be great. A man or a woman can be great. And when you hear that Old Testament reading, I think an appropriate word that can be used to describe Daniel is great. And really, that caused Daniel an awful lot of problems. The story of Daniel kind of begins with Judah's defeat at the hands of the Babylonians. They conquered Jerusalem, they looted the temple, they tore down Jerusalem's walls, and then they took most of the survivors into exile and the Babylonians then took the most promising young exiles and they trained them to be political leaders that would represent the conquered people and kind of help keep them in line. So Daniel and three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember those guys from the fiery furnace? Those four and some others went to strict training to become scholars, to be magistrates and administrators and advisors to the king. And Daniel, he kind of kind of rose to the top. So he was gifted. He was righteous. He was godly. He was great. And, and as you can probably imagine, that caused quite a bit of envy and jealousy among some of his fellow administrators. So much so that they just had to find a way to get rid of him. But how do you get rid of somebody who hasn't done anything wrong? Try as hard as they might. They couldn't find any reason whatsoever to bring charges against Daniel. He, he was faithful in duty. He was faultless in character. No matter how they tried, they couldn't find anything to pin on Daniel. Oh, but there, there was a way, an absolute surefire way that they knew that they could get rid of him. 
if they could just get King Darius to pass a law, an irrevocable law, one that could not under any circumstances be repealed or revoked, to make it illegal for any subject to pray to any god or man except the King Darius for the next 30 days. Well, then, then they knew they would have him. Because they knew that not only was Daniel faithful to his work for the kingdom, but he was even more faithful to his God. So those satraps and administrators, they come to Darius, they butter him up a little bit. Oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. And then they added, Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be annulled. Now, what would you do If you could be God, not just for a day, but for a month. Well, King Darius' pride got the best of him. He thought, why why not? Why can't I, for just a month, be a God? And so he signed that legislation into law. Now, if you were Daniel, if you just discovered that your enemies have passed a law aimed directly at you, to discredit you, to dishonor you, to get rid of you, even to kill you, what would you do? You know what Daniel could have done? He could have simply closed his windows and locked his door so the satrap couldn't hear him pray. Or he could have said, you know, for the next month or so, I'm just going to pray in my heart. (laughs) I'm just not going to speak it out loud. Who would know? Or he could have taken a month-long spiritual vacation. It was, after all, just 30 days. I just won't pray for the next 30 days. That's not what Daniel did. Because for Daniel, prayer was like breathing. He would not stop. He could not stop, even if this was just this clear, unmistakable threat on his life. So the Bible says three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Do you hear that? Just as he had done before. That's what Daniel did. Morning, noon, and night. Wherever he was, whatever he was doing, he stopped to pray. If it was a business trip out to some remote province, if he was having a few days of vacation, if he was at home, if he was at the office, it was always the same. He stopped to pray. Morning, noon, and night. And he'd be doing it his whole life. And by this time, Daniel's an old man, maybe in his early 80s. And Daniel did not refuse to break that lifelong habit of, proving, of praying because he was so great. He refused to stop praying because he knew his God was so great. Daniel knew that that God of his loved him. He provided for him. He was with him. He promised to save him. How could he not pray to this great God of his? And so just as they suspected, those slick, conniving satraps, they caught Daniel kneeling down in prayer. Caught him in the act. Caught him red-handed. And they had Daniel right where they wanted him. So they arrested him. They bound him. And they threw him into the lion's den. So what happens to Daniel? He's thrown into this den filled with hungry, prowling, roaring lions. Lions kept for the express purpose of serving as executioners for the king. And just as soon as they throw Daniel into that lion's den, they slit a stone over the mouth of that den, they seal it with their signet rings, and then they start to listen. Listen for the growls and the roars, and they wait for the obvious. They wait for the inevitable. Because they knew full well that there was no possible way anybody could make it out of that lion's den alive. But they did not know the greatness of Daniel's God. Because instead of roars and screams and teeth tearing into bones, there's silence. And the seconds turn into minutes Turned into hours, the lions refused to touch the man. 
And when morning comes, uh, King Darius, he saw what the Lord had done. He was overjoyed. Servant of the living God, he cries out, has your God rescued you from the lions? And Daniel replies, my God, my God, shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. You know what I call that? I call that great. See, Daniel understood that though he was lowered into that lion's den, there stood another one with him. He understood that he, Daniel, like us, he wasn't the great one. Because he, like us, as we so often confess, are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, by what we've done, by what we haven't done. And we justly deserve his present and eternal punishment, not his protection. Daniel is not the great one. And we are not the great one. But what Daniel knew is that that great God was with him. And as we face the lion's den of this world, we know that there is another one who has lowered down into the pit. There is another who has made to face the lions of death. There is another who had a large rock rolled against the door of his tomb. There was another who had that tomb sealed and closed tight. And there was another who stayed in that tomb all night Friday, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, he rose. And when those women came to the tomb, remember, they, they didn't know what was going on. They were panicking. They said, where did they take my Jesus? Just like King Darius, he gets up after a sleepless night and he yells to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God rescued you? Oh, yes. Daniel, just like Jesus, lived because the living God is greater than the lions. And Jesus, for us, is not only greater than lions, he's greater than sin. He's greater than the devil. He's greater even than death. The living God who's able to create and redeem, who's able to intervene and provide for his children, who's able to save his people by the Passover lamb, who's able to cause great giants to fall, who's able to cause the mouths of lions to be shut, that living God that greatest one of all, that is the God who loves you. That's the God whom we love. And that is the God whom we call Savior. And he is great. You know, the thing about life in Christ and living our lives to his glory and responding to that greatness of his, of what he's done for us. Oftentimes, what we experience is greater than us. Because what we experience is actually God showing himself to his people. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And the work that he is doing through you. The work he is doing in you and me. This story in Daniel 6, it shows God doing something greater than Daniel just surviving a stay inside the lion's den. Because God takes that one experience that Daniel had and he magnifies it. He blows it up. He moves King Darius' heart to declare that in every part of his kingdom, the people should fear and know the God of Daniel. God touches lives through Daniel. God makes his family bigger through the faithfulness of Daniel. There's a, a youth leader who was at the National Youth Gathering who posted about the impact that the gathering had on some of the people that she came into contact with in Houston. And it reminded me how, of how God does something greater, how God shows himself to his people through us. How it's not about us, but it's about him and the work that he is doing in us and the work he is doing through us. 
she wrote to the custodian at the convention center who expressed sadness that we were all leaving because he's never felt so appreciated by participants of a conference before. One of the female workers at the convention center commented how she's never been thanked so many times. Two of the guest services staff at Minute Maid Park were surprised how frequently they were thanked too. In fact, they said, usually when the people come in here, we feel invisible, but not this week. And on Wednesday morning, one of the guest services staff pulled this leader aside and prayed for their participants, thanking God for bringing them to Houston, asking God for safe travels as we all went home. You know, some may hear those stories and say, ah, that's really not a big deal. Oh, but it is. Because that's God showing himself to his people through us. That's God working. That's God encouraging. That's God loving. That's God showing his grace. And that can be God showing his greatness through you to a world that needs to know him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our common Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed that's printed for you on page 10 in your bulletin. Together we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
We stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Praise and thanksgiving to you, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, for your greatness, for your whole creation, for our earthly lives, but especially for our eternal life, which you have given us through the victory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Keep faith alive in the hearts of all your people and draw many to your gift of eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us to live above earthly things and concerns, looking forward to the glory revealed to us in Christ, not neglecting our daily responsibilities, but making whatever we do, in word and in deed, done in thanksgiving to you and to your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mighty God, you have greatly blessed us with an abundance of resources and freedom. Give us the help of the Holy Spirit to prevent us from abusing your gifts and squandering the opportunity to do good to all people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, you saw our need and sent your only Son to be our Savior. Give us vision to see the need and compassion to respond to all in want. Bless every agency and ministry of your church to relieve those who suffer in the face of natural or man-made disaster. And guard, guide, and bless all who serve as missionaries of the gospel throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Faithful God, you urge us to make known to you the desires of our hearts and all our needs. We ask you to be with all the sick, those who suffer, and those at the end of their earthly pilgrimage. We especially bring before you this day Cheryl Emke, Jay Jett, Jordan Jones, and Sherry Briley and Gina Burroughs as they both recover from recent surgeries. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we give you praise and thanks along with those who celebrate special milestones of your grace, especially Wilma Miller and her family as they celebrate her 96th birthday. Continue to pour out your grace, your love, and your blessings. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, give your comfort and your strength to those mourning the death of loved ones, especially Steve and Julie Seibert and their family upon the death of Steve's niece, Hannah Seibert. In this most difficult time, may they know the gift of your love and that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing our closing hymn together. <laughs>